Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on location right now at the Black Swan. I heard so many crazy things about this place. I hear it's the it place, the place to be in Baltimore City, where black people can go and hang out and chill and relax. We don't have to go to DC anymore. We have a hot spot in Baltimore. The next voices you hear will be the owners of the spot of Black Swan. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Seek's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there's something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, online ordering, carryout, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Hartford Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. And Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. We got a hot show for you today. We have Chef Sayon. How are you? Doing well, brother. How you doing? Got Mr. Mr. Chris. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. Hey, we, we finally made it happen. I know, right? We made it happen. Yes, sir. You guys have been killing it out here. <clears throat> Thank you. You're not too shabby yourself. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying, brothers. I'm trying. But you guys are doing some things out here that blow on my mind. You know, I was, you know, you know, you see, watch people from distance. You see the foodies come through. You see, the, you, my sister came through. My cousins come through. It's my first time here. I was like, I want to see how, well, I want, I want to support from a distance. Where to go, anytime I go, anybody comes to town, come Black Swan, come check them out. See how Double A's, I heard it was bumping down here, see how Double A's. Uh, yeah. So, let's tell people a little bit about you. So now I'll talk a little bit, it's not my story, I tell people, it's your story. So, let's talk a little bit about your background. Are you guys from Baltimore originally? Yeah, I'm originally from here. Born and raised, Warburg Junction, West Baltimore. <laughs> Yeah, I'm from, I'm from here. I'm from uh, East Baltimore. I uh, grew up on the Alameda. Um, went to uh, Lake Clifton High School and then moved to Sedonia and I have family all over. So I, um, Baltimore as it gets. I love it. I love it. So I live on East Side right now. I live Northeast okay. nice. by Morgan State. Nice. I went to Morgan. Okay, okay, okay. You're a bear then, huh? Bear twice. Okay. And you well, yeah. and, I, and my grandmother grew up over by Walbert Junction, okay. the house over um, off Gwen Oak. Nice. Where the Super Pride used to be on Liberty Heights. Okay. Remember that way back in the day. Yeah, I was on Mount Holly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, I know a little bit about Baltimore. I used to live. I moved, lived in Baltimore until third or fourth grade. Moved away. And then my family used to come back every summer and work in Park Heights. My family had a convenience store in Park Heights. So Okay. Park Heights on what? Uh, I couldn't tell you right now. It's right near the Park, Park, Park Circle Sausage Spot. Okay. Oh, it's yeah. right down there. Right with the church. If you come up Park Heights, there's a church on the right-hand side. And it's a little playground, and it's right in that corner right there. Nice, nice. So, yeah, my grandmother lived in Park Heights, up like Park Heights and Quantico and Cold Spring. Okay, okay. So, and that's where I learned my work ethic. Nice. I learned the, what a dollar means and whatnot. So, you, we got, we established, so what was your favorite childhood memory growing up, fellas? You want to go? Yeah, uh, you can go. <laughs> uh, I think for me, my favorite childhood moment, I mean, um, just kind of like, you know, hanging with the, hanging with the friends, you know, riding bikes. You know, every day, just waking up, riding bikes, going down to the creek, down off of Gwens Falls, uh, Lincoln Park. So I think, like, for me, growing up, hanging out with the friends and just, you know, 
having a good time. Nice. Um, yeah, I would, you know, yeah, riding bikes was definitely, that's kind of a little underrated. I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> I used to build like little ramps and ride yeah. down little big hills and stuff <laughs> yep. like that. Um, you know, that, um, definitely sports. Sports was a big component of, was a big factor of fun, outlet for fun. Um, I think that <clears throat> we used to have a lot more organic fun. <clears throat> yeah. It wasn't as put together, manufactured as it is now. We didn't have all these different outlets and opportunities and different things for fun. So we would, pl oh, we would play Sega Genesis or yeah. that was like the closest outlet we had other than that, yo, you know, you were playing in the alley and climbing trees yep. and doing stuff like that, you Hopping know? gates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting chased by dogs. <laughs> that was, that was nah, actually a fun yeah, thing, you know? No. So we That's used probably to, why I'm traumatized yeah. now. Well, we used to play Mike Tyson Punch-Out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was always like the group. Like, Lakers versus Celtics. Right, double dribble, all that yeah. stuff. So yeah, that yeah, was yeah. like, I want to be a Lakers. I want, you know, yeah. that was a game. So I remember growing up in Baltimore when I was young, my dad used to take me to the Orioles game. And we'd go to Memorial Stadium, that, and you go see Eddie Murray, and he'd be like, Eddie, because it was a black hero to me. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I was like, black guy, I want to play baseball. That made me want to play baseball, seeing what Eddie was doing. So, you know, that's one of the great childhood memories for me. And that's cool, like, yeah. riding bikes. That was so organic. You go riding bikes, you ride all day. All yeah. day. And you wouldn't care. Nobody would be looking for you, but you better be in before the, 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 the lights come the street on. Lights. You street better lights. Come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> Throw up tackle, all that stuff. Yeah. Especially when it's snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be yeah. outside playing football. They don't do that no more, I don't think. Or, no. rake, or raking the leaves. Yeah, yeah, the yeah bro. I used to make so much money. Shoveling snow when it was cold outside. Now I can't get my son to go outside to shovel the snow at all. It's like for what? What would the guys not yeah, coming? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what, bro? Like, I used to make. That's I used to go back to school with a fresh pair of sneakers oh, when school started back up because I would go shovel, you know, the front. Some people let you shovel the side, the back, everything, you know, and that would be more money. So, you know, I used to just save all. You do like twenty houses, you. You can afford to pay a, um, what was it, Mountain Gears at the time. <laughs> yeah, you good. I like it, I like it. So, what inspired you guys to get in the food industry? Like, I mean, like, how did this even come about? Like, I mean, I, you know how restaurants close, open. Why did you guys get in the food industry? So, I'll speak from the, the Black Swan perspective. Okay. And Chef has a different, you know, um, travel story of how he got into food. Um, as it relates to Black Swan, I would go travel, uh, I, I travel all around the world and I would gain these different experiences, just have so much exposure to what was out there from a restaurant entertainment perspective. And I would come back home fueled up and ready to go and want some more of that same action that I've gotten in New York, that I've gotten in LA, that I've gotten in Paris. And there was nothing here like that when I would come home uh, you know, Baltimore has, I want to say that Baltimore has some phenomenal restaurants. You know, it has great culinary food experience, um, but it just didn't have that energy and the experience that, you know, that I liked. And I knew that there was a population of people who desired the same thing, where, you know, fashion, you wanted to be fashionable, you wanted to get dressed, you wanted to go out, you wanted to hear music when you're out, and you still wanted to have great food. You know, I think that <clears throat> dinner, going out to dinner is a lot more, it's, it's the foundation and the initial premise and everything is built off the food. Let's not get that confused. 
but it's also a social, you know, um, it's a social um, experience as well. And I feel like a lot of places didn't have that social experience uh, where I can just, you know, I don't need to go to a club, but I can hear music and I feel good and I could buy some drinks and we could take some photos and we could have conversation, you know? So I felt like that was missing. And, you know, I struggled for a while as if it was my responsibility to bring that to the market or do I not take that risk, keep those funds and go travel <laughs> to the places that I know 100% are gonna be lit right. and be the place to be? Or do I take a risk and potentially create the place to be, but not maybe not maybe not resonate with people like that. And so what I began to do was to immerse myself in the restaurant field, talking to other restaurateurs um, with about their experiences, talk asking them questions about why you didn't do it this way. I would be sitting down at just a regular restaurant, looking up at the ceiling, like you ever see that Kanye thing when he looks like, like why? I'll be looking at those other restaurants like, like. <laughs> Why didn't you do this to the ceiling? What, did, what was your thought behind that? Right. You know, so I would just do that and I would talk to good restaurant people about their experiences, about culinary experience, about entertainment, about how to navigate the, the risk, the rewards and stuff like that. And majority of everybody said, don't do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, there, exactly. there was a, a, a handful of people who, you know, they love what they do. I mean, I think everybody loves what they do. They just, everybody says it's a tough industry. And that's true. Um, but I kind of just felt moved that, um, you know, what I had in mind, I feel like I have my fingers on the pulse of the, the community and the people. And I know that, I know what people like to see. My undergrad was in business marketing and my graduate degree was in social work. So those two put together, one, I have an understanding of human behavior and then two, I had the ability to market understanding that human behavior. So I knew that what we wanted to create, if we put out the right optics and we curated and narrated this story correctly, that people would, would wanna do it. And um, the opportunities began to open up for, for, for us. I remember I was in Mexico and I got a call from my buddy Chad that owned Food Market. And he was like, yo, Cava Meze, is going out of, is this, they're closing down this spot. I think you can get in there, buy it or whatever else and come through and just renovate it and make it something. And I'll be willing to come on or whatever. But Chad, it was COVID and Chad had his other projects that was happening. He was opening in Columbia and he was, gonna, he, was, he was concerned about being stretched a little thin, but he still helped me broker the relationship for this space. And when we were thinking about, all right, now we have a space, we need a chef, right? And not just a chef, we need a partner as well because chefs come and go sometimes, you know? You want somebody that's invested in this with you as well, that's gonna be a business partner, that's gonna ride the highs, gonna ride the lows, and that's gonna be invested that this is not just a paycheck, this is a sense, this is ownership. Mm -hmm. um, so I reached out to chef because he catered something at my house one day mm. and I was like, Yo, he's cool, you know, and the food was decent. Can't decent. It was decent. I'm just trolling him. It was good. And um, I, I remember he made crab cake, scallops, ceviche, mm. and some other stuff. And um, he, he catered one of our, uh, our, our friends and partners, uh, Jamil, and Keisha's wedding. 
And, you know, so he came very highly recommended. And I hit him up and I said, yo, do you have aspirations of owning a restaurant or what's your, what's like your end game or what's your, where do you see yourself going with this? And he started describing that he wanted to have a restaurant, you know, a food truck, just all of these different things. And when he got to describing what he wanted to see in a restaurant, aesthetically, it had already lined up with the vision that I had for Black Swan. Yep. So it wasn't like, it was like, oh, shucks, like your vision aligns with my vision and whatever else. And then we was like, let's just do it, you know? And I know we'll get into more about menus and how all this other stuff came about, but that was basically how I got into the restaurant. And then we had a GM at the time when we first started. And I'm just not the type of person where you tell me something and then I just believe it. Mm. Not saying I'm a distrustful person, but I need to understand what you know because the way I think, I think very macro and I think very comprehensive. And some people can think about things in a silo and about just how it impacts this one thing. I'm trying to sketch a global picture so I need to know everything that you know and how it impacts all this, uh, how it impacts this ecosystem mm -hmm. that I'm trying to build. So it, I was forced to like get a restaurant 101 through 1501 crash course. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how I got into it. Wow. Yeah. His story is a lot different and, and a very beautiful one. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. <laughs> um, for me, the, uh, growing up, I actually didn't, I never wanted to cook. That wasn't even a desire of mine. He still mine. doesn't. And, uh, <laughs> and um, I'm just kidding. He's on the line every but, night. But, uh, you know, so I came up, you know, in a, in a very religious background. So in my household, we have a lot of great cooks in my household. My mom, she's a, she's awesome. I'm the youngest of nine. So I have four sisters that can really throw down. And then my grandmother, she, uh, you know, Mother Walter, she was like, she was couldn't nobody do better than that Mother Walters at all. So for me, it never was about food. It was always about my family being into music. So I was always into music. So I, I played the drums, I played percussion, I, I, played, I started out playing the trumpet. And um, so I, I always had, you know, aspirations of just being a traveling professional drummer. Um, and food wasn't even on the plate at that time. So then, you know, growing up in church, it was so many people in my mom's congregation. And one one of the members there, uh, they worked out at Sodexo Marriott. And then from that point, they say, hey, you should get a job, you know. I was like, okay, I'll learn. They'd be like, you should learn how to cook, it's really fun. I'm thinking like, you know what, cooking, I play music, you know, let me try it. Went there and I wanted to get a job. And then from that point, they didn't have any cooking positions available. So they only had a dishwashing position available. So I started washing dishes and from washing dishes and kind of like smelling the food, looking at the dishes that the chef will bring back, you know, tasting a little food here and there. I actually had an interest like, oh, wow, this may be cool. Mm. So I learned how to, you know, I learned how to like make tuna fish and pasta salad. And when I got the response from the people saying like, wow, we never had tuna fish this way. Mind you, I never, the only thing that I was cooking at home was ooze noodles. <laughs> I, that, that's it. I just can cook oozer noodles, I love you know. Tuna melt too. Yeah, like like Murray's Steakhouse like back in the day. Oh, Murray's, Murray's yeah. is good. I love Murray's. Yeah, so that you know, I, I grew up, you know, with Murray's Steakhouse. So it's kind of like sticks from Murray's. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. what I mean. Like it was, I did all of that, but outside of that, no real cooking. So that's when I got my my feet wet as far as uh, the culinary industry, like being a dishwasher, learning how how it all worked, just from having just you know needing needing a job, and then. 
when I got when I first started learning how to make the tuna fish and, and pasta salad stuff like that, and I, I got the response from the people, I really was like I was like wow, like they really going that crazy over tuna fish, you know? So then it piqued my interest to say, you know what? I want to know how it feels if I can learn a little more. So I started diving into teaching myself and studying. Um, I work with a lot of great chefs in Baltimore and all over the world that traveled into Baltimore. Um, I've never been in culinary school. So working at a restaurant called uh, Hamilton's for four years, it really got me into the whole fine dining thing. And that's where I learned, you know, I, I really grabbed a love for French cuisine because by me not knowing, I was really green. So I, I absorbed like a sponge, everything. I was young, I'm from the city, you know, I was just taught like, hey, you put your head down, you go, you don't complain. It is what it is, you gotta work hard, you know? And I just put my head down and I just started teaching myself different techniques. Molecular gastronomy, teach myself how to make, you know, different caviars and different, like the science of cooking. And yeah, then that's, that's probably like a, a great that you didn't cook before because now you, mentally you weren't put yourself inside of this right. one construct and style of cooking. You were able just to like get into it. Yep. And the way you got into it was in a, a very rich way. Mm -hmm. So you were able to start high and scale back yeah. versus starting low and being stuck there. Yeah, I mean, and that, and that was the thing. I didn't have an interest. Like when I when I started cooking, I started noticing that the guys that I was cooking around, the chefs that I was around, they started young. They started eight years old. You know, they they first they got their first knife in their apron when they were like ten. You know, I'm I'm 17. You know, from the city, like I, that wasn't my thing. I just wanted to play music. So getting into cooking for me, it was it was really like I was thrown into it because I needed a job. You know, from me playing drums because I didn't get paid. And my, my my mom didn't pay me to play drums at her church. <laughs> so I needed a job. You know what I mean? Look into that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so for me, it was like, hey, I need a job. I started washing dishes, and then from there, I, I found that I actually had a, a no, high interest no in it. Discounts when she comes no. in <laughs> so, you know, and, and it, I mean, the story is very extensive. Like it goes, like I have a, a whole a whole lot about my journey, um, but that's really the gist of me jumping into it. That, that could be a part two, part three, folks. We, yeah, yeah, this is not even, this it's is not, not even, even how he worked his way up the ranks right. and got skipped over for positions that were given to less qualified individuals right. just of different ethnicities. I believe Correct. You know what I'm saying? And why I think that's such an important part of his story because it makes it why Black Swan is that much more of a of a thing, of a staple of excellent success and what's possible. Like it, the Black Swan Theory describes something, an event that came as a surprise and had a major impact. You know, for us to come into Harvard East, that's definitely a surprise yeah and then for us to have a major and we knew that we were going to have a major impact but when you know when we think about our plight and our road here those experiences that he's gone through of being like skipped over being overlooked um being equally as skilled um or better skilled um but not getting those same opportunities makes this that much more sweet and it ties mm -hmm. into our story and of the integrity that we show here, that the the reasoning behind this, that it's it's special, man. It's yeah. ordained. Yeah, yeah. So, first, you, you touched on it. Yeah. My Harvey's, out of all places in the city, and I, I, got, I understand why, I, 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 but what's the reason from your perspective? Why Harvey's 
And just why did you think? I know you talked about Baltimore needed this. Yeah. But why did you think you guys could do it? What so, made you guys think you guys did this? That's a two part question. So, one, I'll answer this and I'll. So, um, our motto of this restaurant, other restaurants that we're going to open, and just in other locations of the same brand is that we want to be where people already go. And we just want to provide a different alternative to what's currently there. We don't want to be the, the person that has to go over here, plant the flag, and bring everybody there. Well, at least not initially until we have enough resources and we can weather that storm, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but initially we had to make an impact we had to come out strong and we had to get success or everything else that would come after this, whether from us or from, from another aspiring entrepreneur and restaurateur, that they would be discouraged or potentially not work out. So we had to go to a place, one, where people already go. Harbor East is a beautiful area. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 it's a, a luxury, sophisticated area and so, that that part of it already fit with our brand and what we were trying to create. Mm -hmm. Now, assessing what was already in Harbor East, there was not many other brands. I mean, there, there are other restaurants, but not providing a dining experience that we were doing. And you have other, I mean, you have some phenomenal chefs. Mm -hmm. You have um, great establishments, you know, great views, great curated themes, all of that, like it's beautiful. But it wasn't the dining experience that we had and it wasn't necessarily targeted towards the demographic of individuals that we knew would patronize our thing, you know? And we wanted to create a place that everyone could come and feel comfortable. So regardless of ethnicity, regardless of social class or whatever else like that, we wanted this to be a place that you came and you felt comfortable and you and it was just an enjoyable experience. Mm -hmm. All that other stuff didn't matter, but through like the artwork and the experiences, those things could prompt conversations that allow people from two different backgrounds or experiences to come together and have constructive and productive convo so that when they leave at some point, they leave with a higher level of empathy and understanding to each other and that way we can better interact and socialize with people. So we knew that that didn't, so we create, so we wanted to create that in Harbor East, you know? And, and we knew that people would respond well to it, you know? And that's what happened. Some people was telling us, and I just, I mean, if we're gonna be frank, we might as well. Some people was telling us, oh, why you don't put this on North Avenue? Go put this in a black neighborhood and all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, that's cool and all. However, you know, I see, I want to be close to the water, for one, you know? I want this to be a place where everybody goes, where people already go. Now, in certain neighborhoods, people don't want to go. The people that were telling me aren't going to go to the neighborhoods that they're suggesting that we go to. Yeah. And so it's like, if you don't go there on the regular already, you know, I'm all about buying back and owning the block and stuff like that. We own several properties. You know, so I'm all about that. The work that I do in the community is is phenomenal, you know, and is it, it's 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 it gets awarded and we do phenomenal work, you know, and make great impacts. Yep. But you can't tell me to put a business somewhere that you're not even gonna go 
Two, I'm already losing a customer. You know, and I, I think in, in this style of business that we were creating and the idea for this, you know, I, I feel like, you know, we want it. It's, it's a risky business, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I want to go where everybody already goes, where business is thriving and everything else like that. And I just want to provide an alternative to that. And I want to create opportunity for people to come down into these areas and, and feel comfortable and, and have an enjoyable experience. And so to your question about why us, why not us? Right. You know, like, yes, that's the, that's the answer. Why not us? Nobody else has created that dining experience with the level of sophistication and class thus far. So we waited. Right. Nothing happened. So now it's time for us to respond instead of keep complaining about what's not here. Boom. We had to take it into our own hands. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he hit it. Okay. I mean, we, you know, we, I, I really feel that, uh, you know, like Chris said, it, it was a, it was a conversation that said, you know what, it's a void. It's something that's, that we just don't have. And then, and then creating a whole like team of people that, that are very talented, you know, um, they got a lot of great vision. Now, that's one unique thing about Black Swan, like just the mind, like the, the whole how things came together. So you're dealing with a mastermind, you deal with the, I call, I call Chris Quincy Jones. So uh -oh, okay. you're dealing with the producer, you know what I mean? That, that has a vision and, and already like, the, the play is already sketched out, you know what I mean? Like, you know, and then you, and then putting the people in the right place and position to execute those things. Um, I think with Black Swan, it, just, it, it really just made sense because when you look around and there's no, there's no, it's no like it's no no downplay on anyone else that you know came before us and and did anything any black owned restaurant but it's something very unique about black swan the name alone allows you to know where we you know what we stand for you know so an event that came as a surprise and left a major impact to even have a, a you know a story and a meaning like that you know you just know how powerful it is and then when you come into the when you come into the restaurant you just feel you feel that it was it was love put into it. It was it yeah. was it was time. It, 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 it was that. thought. You know, it was curated, not just for one entity, you know, or one body of people, but for everyone to experience, like, you know, who we are. So it's so funny with Black Swan people. We were talking about the name. And you were saying it lets you know who we are. You were talking about the theory of it mm -hmm. because it's so funny. People were like Black Swan. Oh, they think it's like the dog whistle, like. Like, yo, like, it's this thing, yeah. yo, we black. Right. And it was like, that wasn't even the thought process. Yeah. That, I mean, that's cool if you guys respond to it that way. And we, you know, and and whatever, it's, if you, you know, whatever. But our, our story was bigger than just coming out with a name that just said that, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It was about this black, and for us, the black swan theory is deeper than that. It's mm -hmm. It's about the responsibility of the black swan, you know? Um, people that have came and had major impacts, right? Now that has a responsibility to reach back and pull each other up out of whatever circumstance that they're in. So like if you see the artwork in the front of the restaurant, it's the girl that looks like she's a ballerina, but she doesn't look like a traditional ballerina. Right. She has on like jean shorts that have like cuts in them. She has a ponytail. She has big, beautiful hair. You know, and you can clearly see, you can, it's, it's given that she's coming from an urban environment. You know, she's not your traditional ballerina shoe person, you know, she has on Converse. But 
it's, it's a story of resiliency that regardless of whatever circumstance that you're in, you know, you can make it out of that. And it's black swans, other people who have come and achieved, by, have came and achieved great stuff, mm -hmm. surprisingly to what the norms and social constructs may say, that it's your responsibility to reach back and pull someone else up. So having Black Swan be a, a beacon of exposure, a beacon of opportunity to see like, oh, that this can be done, gives fuel to whoever else that may wanna um, come behind us. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we right back, cause they dropping jewels and gems right now. I'm just sitting here like taking notes in my head, but we'll be right back. I, I, I got we do commercial breaks? We do commercial breaks here. Oh, okay. okay. All right, we'll be right back, folks. OpenWorks is Baltimore's largest makerspace, offering access to tools ranging from 3D printers to welder and training in how to use them. OpenWorks also offers affordable studio space, a coffee shop, and fun-free events throughout the year. But OpenWorks is more than a public workshop. It's a community of creative professionals, students, seniors, entrepreneurs, and makers of all kinds. Check out the website at www.openworksbmore.org or Instagram at open underscore works underscore bmore for class schedules, membership options, and more. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly partnered with Maggie's Farm. Located at 4341 Hartford Road, Maggie's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouth-watering cuisine from falafels to scallops and everyone's favorites, honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m., Tuesday through Saturday, and for brunch, Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. with delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials. Folks, we are back live and direct from Black Swan. I mean, these guys are dropping jewels and gems right now. And, you know, I walked in here, and I looked around. It was my first time here, and I see I came, my swan, I conquered. All this art, and I'm, like, blown away. But I felt a vibe that I've never felt ever going to a restaurant. Never felt a vibe. And I'm like, wow, how'd you guys create this vibe? Because this, this is different. This is a different yeah, little vibe here, brothers. Because right different. now, I feel like I'm about to spend my whole paycheck here. Because <laughs> I just, I want to just support and I want to Somebody bring the toast, bring the toast <laughs> hand thing in the credit card machine. <laughs> so tell, nah, me, tell me, how do you guys get this vibe? Is it from your personalities? I, you, know, you know what? I think that it is. That's a very good point. I think that it's a reflection of our personalities. You know, like, um, one, I want to go to, I, you know, I like to go out. I want to go out to eat. I want to go out. You know, I want to go out with my wife. I want her to get dressed. I want to go out. I go out with my kids. We travel, like stuff like that. So I wanted to create that same level of experience here. And it's so funny. It's like kinetic because you feel a vibration even when the music is not on. It's silent right now, but you still feel yeah. like, oh, it's a mood in here. Nah. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and that's what we wanted to create, a mood and a, and a vibe that's, that music complements as well. You know, so every detail has been strategically thought about. We want people to look and feel their best when they come and when they leave here. Uh, we want it to be a safe space. We want people to feel like this is a place where the CEO or C-suite executives can come 
-hmm. Your teacher can come, you know, um, your blue collar worker can come, that everybody can come because they're, because at the end of the day, we're all people and we all share in these similar experiences and these same desires. And it's in our, you know what it is? I, I don't want to go African diaspora on you, <laughs> but it's, it's literally in our roots. If you yeah. think about the bass, the drums, and how we as, yeah. how we as black individuals, like what's in our DNA, you know what I'm saying? Epigenetics don't just happen about negative stresses that get passed down your bloodline. It's about everything that get passed down your bloodline. So that rhythm that you feel in here when the music is not on, it's, it's you know, you start bobbing, it's, it's still yeah. here, you know? And so I think that we would have been able to do that through strategically, you know, you know, deep being detail oriented. So the wallpapers that we use, you know, and the and the feel and the feel that wallpaper is very textured. It feels yeah. very good. The the color, the black walls allow the blackness of the place allows the place to shine. Mm -hmm. You know, usually when you think about blackness, people think about the darkness and it's and it's not really like soothing. But here it's a it's a vibe, it's soothing, and it allows and it just it allows excellence to project and to be shown. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what people feel when they come here, you know. And I think that a part of our marketing rollout strategy, we we had the DJs talk about the type of music that we were playing. We had Chef talking about the menu. We had the cocktail. We the people that we brought in to do the cocktail program talking about that. We even you know talked about um, like. Just, just I think that people knew what the expectation was, and and, and they desired it, and they and they love because they want that same type of dining experience as well. Yeah. You good. I mean, the vibes are here, man. Like it's it's, a, it's very positive. Like the energy. My mom came in here like for the first time. She was like, "It's something about the restaurant. I can't." Like, I'm still thinking about the restaurant. She was home. This was a week later. Mm. And, uh, you know, she just said, when you get here, this is her exact words. She said, when you walk into the restaurant, you feel something. And she said, when you're sitting down, you don't want to leave. That's my mom. My mom's 79 years old. That's love. So, That's you love. know, it's just, you know, the vibes here. Um, yeah, it's a high energy, man. I mean, again, I was telling the vibe. the vibe is different. It's different. Yeah. It's different in here. So since we're talking about a little bit of the vibes... Let's talk about dress code. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, there's so many things out there of the dress code. Let's be frank. I'll be honest. I like dress codes. Yes. I like going dressed up, going to places. I feel better. I feel good when I go yeah. somewhere mm -hmm. looking looking clean and cut and feeling exactly. fresh. Yeah, yeah. So do you guys have a dress code here? Yes. All right. Tell us a little bit about that. Have you got any backlash for that? Well, no. so I would probably say it's about like it was like a... 85-15, 85, everybody understood and they wanted it. Yeah. Because just like you said, you want to get dressed up, you want to feel and look clean, and you and you you feel what you feel and you act how you look sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And I don't say that in any discriminatory way, you know. But you know, like they they when you get dressed up, you put a suit on, mm -hmm. you you walk a little different, you carry yourself yeah. a little different. Uh -huh. You probably even use a different level of English, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so but not exactly. So we wanted to create that same thing. If we want to, our dress code was not is not designed to eliminate anybody. It's to elevate everybody's dining experience. It's not to eliminate anybody. It's to elevate everybody's dining experience. This isn't redlining. This isn't anything like that. This is hey, we're trying to create a sexy, sophisticated, stylish vibe here. Yep. And we need you 
we only can do so much. We can build out the infrastructure, but we need you as our partners, as our clients, as our patrons to help us create that environment, you know? Mm -hmm. So here are some guidelines around the environment that we would like to see, you know? So that, and that's, that's just what it was. It's, yeah. I mean, and if you think about dress codes, like I've been, I was just in Miami at a restaurant called Sexy Fish that just opened up. You couldn't even have, they didn't want you to wear sneakers. Yeah. So it was jeans. You could wear jeans, but they could not be damaged and ripped. You can't um, have, I certain places don't even allow you to wear hats. Right. right. We, you can wear a hat, and a hat is a part of your, of your yeah. vibe. Mm -hmm. Like I have a hat on here. So I wouldn't create a dress code that would keep me out of the restaurant. Right, right. You know, I want to be where it's hot and where it's cool. So I'm not, I wouldn't develop a restaurant, a, a dress code that would keep us out, but I want to develop a dress code that's going to allow Seon's mother to come in and feel like she's getting dressed because right. now, now you're going into this place with this, this, this high standard, and you're going in like, hey, I'm just not about to fall through here. Right. I'm purposefully coming through here, mm -hmm. and I'm purposefully getting dressed, and I'm. This is a mission. Yep. We're going to deliver on our end of the mission. We're going to make sure the food is great. We're going to make sure the service is great. We're going to make sure the drinks are good, and that the energy and the music and everything meets your standard. We need you to meet, to come, to be a part of this as well as our partner in this restaurant, but our partner in how we're trying to redefine Baltimore and what a black-owned restaurant can look and feel like. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's because people think that a dress code is like, um, it's, it's, um, it's negative. And it's like, right. no, no, this is, this, this is not that. A lot, I, 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 I know what I was going to say. What a lot of people don't get, they think that um, some people that may put in dress codes here, other cities and stuff like that, that it's a deterrent, which it can be, but they don't understand style. Like right. your guy has on some fear guard essential sweats right now. Then he can't wear, I love him. He can't right. wear sweats to Black Swan, <laughs> you know, but it's a stylish thing. Right. You know, if you wear a hat, it's a part of your style. Some people will say no hoodies or sweatshirts, but that's a part of my style. Right. And you can wear like even shorts. When you go to dinner, you go to dinner. If you go to dinner at your grandmother's house for, for, for Thanksgiving, my grandmother, we couldn't wear shorts. Not at all. No, we had to dress up. Had we had to, to meet the all. moment. You right. know what I'm saying? And yep. you got to meet the moment here. So for brunch, you can wear shorts. Relax. Brunch. You can relax. Yeah. It's brunch. It's Sunday good vibe. But day. when you come to dinner, y'all, let's put our dinner clothes on. Well, you know, I, I like what you're saying because I learned that in college. I remember I went to Manhattan one time and when I was like a senior in college. Went down there to like, hey, make sure you have, this is back in the day. Make sure you have the Prada shoes on, your black pants on, nice mm -hmm. jeans, nice button up. We're not gonna get, we won't, we won't be able to get in the club or mm -hmm. wherever else. Then we went to Miami. I remember going to Prime 112, mm -hmm. STK. Mm -hmm. You know, ain't no spots down there. They're like, you better come dressed. You, they will not let you in. Yeah. And I didn't feel any type of way about that. Yo, I you know the funny thing way. about this though? <laughs> the people that complain, I get it. Because we've been racially discriminated or whatever else previously and where it wasn't about creating a dining experience and stuff like that you know what i'm saying just just not like just historically period goes back however long you know so the apprehension of like oh is this them trying to do this to us as right. well no. like what what i understand that's you we've had to live through those traumatic experiences and i get the distrust and whatever else 
and it, and it seems familiar, and it creates that trigger in experience. Right. It's like, hold on, is this again? It's like, no, this is not that. However, some of the people, like you just said, when you go to people go to Prime One Twelve, there's no, no. they bring out that they're packing, they're shopping, they're going to bring their best. Right. Yep. Why do we give value to Prime One Twelve, this establishment in Miami, more than we give value to Baltimore, the black-owned business? Mm. And our community, yeah. Right. Like, no, let's let's keep that same energy. I love it because when you go to Prime, like Lily, my sister was in Prime two weeks ago. I said, "You better come correct." I said, "I know my man. I hooked her with the bartender. I know down there was ahead of beverage. Like, come in there, you and your girls. I know y'all gonna come, but dress to the nines. Yeah, come in there. Yeah, gotta come correct. Miles is not Miles on Prime. Miles is not going for that. Right, right. So again, and it's. How do you guys, this is going to, they're about to get into some stuff now. Because I feel like Baltimore, people don't realize, they're like, well, this is Baltimore. Why we got to dress up like that? It's Baltimore. Why is that mentality? Why do we have that mentality here? Because I like dressing up, and I know if we got a spot, I'm going to show up and show out. You know, I'm going to a gala tomorrow night. The ladies told me, said, Aaron, you can wear a um, sports jacket and a regular slacks. You know what? I'm, I got a tux. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. showing out. Exactly. You know, that's me. But you know ahead. why, though, man? <laughs> Baltimore is a very hard place, you know, like, and it's a very resilient place, mm -hmm. you know? And so we work hard just to survive every day. Right. You know, so we're just trying to survive and stay alive. And then it's now, and it's like, man, I'm just trying to go out and enjoy myself. And now you're telling me I gotta, there's right. one yeah. more rule I gotta follow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's one more thing I gotta do when I'm just trying to let my hair down. I get it, like, that, like the, 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 the just to live in Baltimore, man, you gotta have thick skin and you gotta be strong. Oh, yeah. So one more thing is kind of just like OD is like, oh my God, bro, I just wanna chill. And so I think that what we have to do is begin to look at ourselves in the mirror and assert, and assert a certain amount of value to who we are. It's like, no, you know what? The school system may think less of us by the books that they give us mm -hmm. and the resources they give us. Yeah. Our neighborhood and elected officials may think less of us by the food deserts and everything else that exists and the quality of care and the policing and the salaries of whatever, the whoever else may think less of us that think that we're less than an individual. But we have to be able to look in the mirror and say, no, we're not those individuals. Right. We are people of respect. We are people of honor and sophistication. And you know what? Let's put some respect on our own name. Mm. So you know what? We are going to get dressed to go out because we can. we are those individuals that we look at on TV and stuff like that. You know, but after being told that you're less than, you're not quality, you're not good, that's not great, sometimes it's easy to start believing that stuff. Right. Well, it's interesting. I don't know if you guys had, uh, my, my parents, I look at their pictures. They were always dressed up to the nines when they went out. Always. So always. I guess my one bush perfectly, yeah. the bush always. perfectly, and they like, always yeah. had a shirt suit on. Yeah. And, and they were Yeah. And, I don't know where it got lost in translation. I don't know where they got the money to get tailored clothes uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a lot of questions. I got a lot of questions about that. I'm <laughs> like, yo, I know how much my pants cost. How did you pay for How did you pay for it? You yeah. right. So, I, I, again, I remember, like, my growing up, my dad was like, you got to look sharp every time you go somewhere. Yeah. And I guess it might get lost in translation. That's a whole different episode for itself. But we ain't going to go there. But I just wanted to yeah. talk about that. So what things are not loud can you not wear? I mean, just, just so if, uh, if I... So, Somebody's listening, they want to calm down. Simple. It's, it's, very, it's, okay. it's, it's a very short list. One, no T-shirts or clothing with profane and offensive statements on it. Uh, in the winter, and you can wear a baseball cap, but in the winter, you, no skull caps, stuff like that. Um, in the summer, no shorts after, after five. 
no um, flip flops and stuff like that. And there was some ambiguity around that because uh, God, it was it was about guys like we, you can't just come in your Yeezy slides. But women, that's a part of their fashionable thing. They they they're able to wear it in a dressy format, you know, and they, they wear open toe shoes. Like guys, our open toe shoes are flip flops, you know, right. and that's yeah. not creating a a a dress up experience. So um, does that wrap it up? Is that some? Um, pretty much. I mean. We, we definitely gonna... And we even... Here's the thing about this. Sorry, cut you yeah, off, you If you came in shorts or whatever else, we weren't turning you away. Nah. We would let you know that that's not the dress code, but we would offer you... We call them chef pants. Yeah. So the kitchen, the guys in the kitchen, they wear these big black pants. <laughs> and so, hey, yo, we don't want to turn you away, and we don't want you to feel dis- like right. off-put, discriminated, or anything else like that. So we're going to provide you these pants because we realize you didn't know. Exactly. Like so we're going to provide you these pants that you can wear... Just just throw them all over your pants. Go sit down, enjoy yourself, and when you leave, we give them back. We'll get them washed, and we'll have them here for the next person. I love it. Yeah, it was that, and then no plain tees. Just like, like it it could have a graphic on it. It could have fresh white tees. No, no. I mean, under if it's under a (laughs) jacket or something like that, it's about like yo, let's let's make this a sophisticated thing. Even though I I struggle with it as well because I can have a black t-shirt on and like some jeans and some like some. Some loafers. You're not wearing a plain black tee. No, you know, huh? <laughs> You're not wearing a yeah, plain yeah, black tee. <laughs> so, but you know, I gotta dress it up a bit more. I gotta make that extra step of effort to come to, to make it a bit better, you know. Okay. And that, and that's just what it is, you know. The cuisine. What kind of what, what kind of cuisine? This is, is where I shut up, and this is where. Oh, uh, man. Kind of cuisine is that French nah. cuisine? Because you said talk about French. Cuisine. Well, I have a lot of French background techniques that I. That's my main thing. Um, but the cuisine we have here, Black Swan, is American cuisine. So it's a little bit of everything. We got steaks, we got seafood. Uh, we tap into our vegan bag, you know, where we, we got some nice, great uh, vegan dishes here. Um, but it's American cuisine. Okay. So. Now tell me about this infamous chicken box. Uh oh. I've been hearing about this twenty dollar chicken box. All right. It's not twenty bucks, is it? Yeah. Uh, it's eighteen. It's eighteen is not twenty. It's, okay. Okay. Eighteen. All right. Okay. Tell me about this infamous chicken box. I'm used to guy. I'm used to the prices where it was a five dollar chicken box. Oh yeah. So you oh, get pepper ketchup. Salt, pepper ketchup. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, and my hands will get dirty. So let me explain that. Let me yeah. let me, let me explain yeah. that, right? Yeah. So when we were curating the menu, right? Okay. Chef has the ability to James get a James Beard award, and he will. And we're gonna get that, you know. Uh, either this project or another project we do, you know. But what we wanted to do, we wanted to make sure that when we first came out with our first restaurant, it would be something that would be highly like digestible and and respond and everybody will respond well to it you know so we wanted to i mean chef could put some stuff on a plate you're like yo what is that <laughs> and it could taste and it tastes phenomenal but that may be off-putting to some people mm-hmm. you're like man I, man i want some salmon you yeah, know right. and, and so that's cool because i'm that same way so you know i'm like chef what is that yeah. like i just the, these little green things he puts on top of certain things i asked him yesterday i'm like yo do i actually eat these or is it like yeah, just decoration yeah. you know so it's like he can he can his oh. culinary training is up here so we wanted to make black swan's menu something that was cool tasteful photogenic and um something that you could come and eat something on tuesday and come back wednesday and and feel like, yo, I can still do things. We didn't want it to be specific to a genre, like Mexican, Asian. We didn't want to limit right. people's ex- experience and ability to patronize. But the chicken box, here we are. So yeah. we, we're from Baltimore. Right. So we went, we didn't want to be overly bougie and just like, oh no, we're going to embrace. And this is a part where it goes back to us 
looking in the mirror and defining what we do as excellent on a day to day basis and that we're worth it. Because it's more so about people. People have come into our communities and sold us chicken boxes, right? Right. But made us. And then there's other people. I remember Tiger was at the Masters and one and one of the golfers made a ta- made a joke. I guess we're gonna have fried chicken and watermelon oh, next yeah, year, right? Why is that a disparaging statement? Why is that like? Right. Why are you playing into the stereotype in such a negative way? It's like, but you'll come back and sell it to us right. in a way that's profitable for you. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yo, you know what? We're not going to give you power and credit over something that we do. Mm-hmm. That's our thing. Mm-hmm. We're going to take our thing. We're going to re-stereotype and rebrand this, uh-huh. and now put it on the menu to show respect and honor to Baltimore and make it a glamorous thing. Yep. Yo, we used to go to Big Town. We used to go to right. churches. We used to go to all these other places for chicken boxes, right? Mm-hmm. Let's put it on our menu. Like, and now let's, instead of staying away from that, like, no, we're not going to put yeah, chicken boxes. Yeah, yeah. No. We, we sell more chicken boxes than some corner stores right now. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, and that's, and that's the thing, like, it's about time. Right. Let's own our stuff. That's why we put trout yeah. on the fish and grits. He could have put any other fish. Yeah. But he put trout because we're going to own who we are as a, as a community and what Baltimore stands for. And so aesthetically, we'll get into aesthetics, I guess, next time. But, oh, did I, did oh, I, get, did oh, I sneak you, them in? You're dropping, you're dropping, you're dropping, you're dropping, you're dropping right now. <laughs> <laughs> but the floor is hard like concrete. Mm-hmm. But it's beautiful with the candelabra chandeliers. That's Baltimore. It's a hard but beautiful place. You're giving too much up now. You're giving too much right, up. Right. I'm, you're I'm, giving too much up. I'm going to sip my vase and mind my business. All right, but we're going to wrap it up with this, though. Normally we go to, anything like this, I normally go to D.C., okay? Because D.C. has that vibe of, like, D.C.'s brunch is one of the best brunches around. Yeah. Because it's all day brunch. Are you guys going to try to take that vibe and have the own Baltimore vibe where, guess what, brunch is immediate? I'm not traveling 30 miles anymore. Mm-hmm. We're keeping it right here because I know you guys are starting Saturday brunch, right? No, we so we've or, always or, had Sunday brunch. Okay, but Saturday brunch. We've yeah. brought Saturday in now. Yeah. Okay. So tell me the thought behind bringing Saturday in, and then how has that worked out so far for you guys? So I'll have Chef speak about the menu okay. of the brunch mm-hmm. and how that was created. For us, we wanted Sunday brunch. There was no place Sunday where I felt like you know you can go to the bygone, you could go to other places, you can go to Fells. You know, and get a brunch experience. But it wasn't the brunch experience that I wanted, where I can go, I can get some 90s R&B, it feels good. I got some mimosas, we got, you know, we got sangria. Mm. We're doing it right, so we didn't have that. So we started off with Saturday, Sunday brunch. And a lot of people tried to discourage us and say, you're not gonna make money in brunch. I was like, all right, I got my fingers on the pulse of the people, I tell you. And then the GM at the time was like, we should start slow, introduce brunch later. No, bro. (laughs) <laughs> brunch is a di- is is a great experience that is bet I would rather close on Tuesday which we did mm-hmm. than have Sunday brunch than not have Sunday brunch. Mm. Right. We need Sunday brunch. So then it was like Saturday, let's bring Saturday in because we wanted to get our legs under us staffing wise we wanted to be able to prepare because prepare because labor costs can run up on you and all that other stuff. So we wanted to introduce Saturday brunch, but we wanted to give it a different vibe. So we wanted to highlight some of the local artists who are musicians and stuff like that and give them a live opportunity to perform live. So it's called a Soulful Saturdays where you can come in. We do realize that a lot of our uh, patrons go to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, pre-COVID, post-COVID. I don't know what's happening post-COVID, um, but I know pre-COVID, right. a lot of people are going to church, right. you know, on Sunday. So they couldn't come for Sunday brunch, but they are an important part of our 
our, 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 our system as well and our, and our community. So we wanted to make sure that Saturday brunch, we had a vibe that spoke to them and that, and that was also there as well for families and everything else like that. Chef? Yeah. Nah, so yeah, so Saturday is actually pretty unique. Um, it's and totally ties different. And to his music background. Okay, I'm right. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm, okay, yeah. I didn't know it was music. Oh, play. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we, I mean, so the, the idea, you know, to have some local artists come in from the DMV area and showcase them, but give give the people, give our patrons and and uh, out, you know, one everyone that's coming and dining a, a different experience for brunch. Sunday is fun day, so Sunday is kind of like it, everybody know about brunch on Sunday, but Saturday was more so like okay, you know, we got a lot of people from church that can't make it out on Sunday, bring some artists in, spoken word. You know, we have a violence, I think, that uh, we got coming in soon. Um, okay. You know, we have uh, male male and female vocalists that do that. We have uh, acoustic guitar players coming in. And then, like, you know, they want to get me on the bill, so they want me to play a little conga and here and there. They want you to play? Yeah, they want okay. to play. Okay, you know, so okay. So one, one, oh, one Saturday brunch, I will be doing, a you know, a cameo. Exclusive. Exclusive, folks. Exclusive. You know. Where I'll be here, you know, with a guitarist or a vocalist, and I'll play. You want but, me to sing a part of it? Nah, 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 But you <laughs> I know, so so we got a lot of we got a lot of music in here. So that's why the vibes are what it is. Like, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the most popular dish for brunch? The most top, popular top two dishes that you, that brunch everybody. Yo, I always for. tell people they were like, "What should you get for brunch? What should you get on the menu?" Close your eyes and point. Yeah, yeah. that's mm. why I tell people wherever you land, yeah. you're gonna do something it's, great. It's, but we, I mean, we get. Yeah, like Chris said, man, close your eyes and point. I mean, I, I, like right now, the, the one item that is really, really pushing hard is the lobster croissant. So it's a oh, lobster. Oh, people love a croissant. It's a lobster egg and cheese croissant. So Ooh. it comes with, a, you know, blackberry jam, aged white cheddar, buttery croissant, a crispy fried lobster tail, mm. and then a fried egg on top of the there. Funyetti, chicken and waffle. Funyetti, chicken and waffle. I remember somebody came was like, why you got sprinkles in my waffle and funfetti in my kitchen? What type of waffle is this? Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. We wanted to elevate and right. add a level of creativity to it, like, like yeah, don't stand that, in the way of this of this creativity. The, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but everybody's the, entitled to their opinion. You yeah, know? the holla, the holla's good too. Oh, that holla French toast French is toast, insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, I got so. some of my people text me every Sunday, like, yeah, yeah. Yo, I'm a French toast fanatic, and I'm. Mm. Like I've gone all around and taste French toast. I'm like, I didn't know people actually travel to taste French toast, but no. But yeah, he's like, yo, this is the best. Wow. Yeah. That and the shrimp and grits and the fish and grits. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's just a the, lot. The, the biscuits with the apple butter. Oh, oh. See, apple oh butter, yeah, apple and the, the fried chicken, bro. The lamb chops. See, y'all get me hungry right now. So you know, <laughs> not, okay, he's like, all right, this is over. Let's this over. No, but, but I'm excited you guys to tell me because for me, brunch is my grown up adult going out night. Because nice. I can get saucy and go home and sleep. <laughs> got yeah. it. That, that, that's my best brunch for me. Brunch yeah. is my favorite meal. Night ends early. Done. Nice. Done. I got two little kids. I got I to go home. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I can go home and watch. They can sit there and chill. But I really like hearing about brunch. You got me hungry now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to make a reservation. But what we're going to do is hold this thought, folks. We're going to do a part two. Another one. Another, Another one. one. Because we have so much to cover. Yeah. That we were joked, and we I gave him the questions like we got like we gonna be be longer than an hour. Yeah. Oh yeah. But we gotta give y'all. We gonna make it. We gonna make another one because I think people want to hear from you guys because you guys are always behind the scene. You guys see you guys on social media, but hearing your voice. Yeah. People want to hear that. You gotta hear from this guy and really get into his story, man. I know I dominated some of the. You you were in my lane with some of the combos today, but once you get in his lane, 
It's yeah, man, it's a phenomenal story. We'll make it happen. Yeah, definitely. So folks, we'll be back with part two of Black Swan. Love, peace, morale.